Welcome, and thank you for listening to the New Day Podcast. We are located in South Kansas City, proclaiming the good news of God's grace to our region and abroad. If you'd like more information, please visit our website, newdaykc.org. Birthday. Today. This Sunday. So it's your birthday, if you're a part of New Day. And we are going to be doing some special things over the next four to six to eight weeks because it's a transition time, both a church, but it's a transition time for our annual budget. And we'll have a annual meeting coming up soon. And we'll ha- we have a couple of new elders that are coming on, and and uh, and one that's uh, going off official duty, and uh, and lots of different things to say. Today is actually the fifth anniversary of being in this building, in this sanctuary. This is five, five years ago this Sunday, we got in here. It was such a blessing and uh, miracles the way it all occurred. I mean, I could, I could tell you the, you know, a long story with it. I won't this morning. And then, of course, with it being our our tenth anniversary, this goes back to then five years prior to that. We were meeting at my house, and so Brenda and I, on, on instruction of the Lord, the week before, I, I think Brenda invited four couples. Was it four or five? When we made the calls, okay, I didn't even make the call. Brenda made the call actually and said, the only call, I take that back. I made a phone call to my dear friend Dave Brown and said, Dave, can you bring your guitar and we're just going to hang out Sunday and, uh, and I don't know, just lead us in a couple of songs and we're just going to share scripture and see where the Lord takes it. And he went, sure. And he said, well, who's coming? I said, I don't know, about maybe three or four other couples. We're just, you know, because I was pretty... I don't know how you've gotten, but I got pretty burnt out at uh, institutionalized church and formalized. And I was even thinking regarding New Day, you know, maybe it's just going to be house church. And it'll just be six or eight of us. And, and God's going to give me a job where I make six figures a year. And, uh, and I'll be so delighted over that that we'll just meet on Sunday. And so, bless you, bless you, bless you. No, that isn't life. I'm teasing. We didn't know what was going to happen. We had 74 people show up that Sunday, and we did church in the backyard because we didn't have enough room in the house. And uh, we led worship off the porch, and it was fun, and it grew and grew quickly. And uh, it's been the most precious journey for Brenda and I. And, uh, and what's happened, and we'll tell more about it, because it was all orchestrated by the move of the Holy Spirit. So I've been resensitized to the Holy Spirit. Uh, not that I'm insensitive to him, I hope, but been resensitized over the past few weeks, including what this church is and what it's called to be and to do and to accomplish. So if you weren't here last week, I talked about some of that, about the week preceding what happened to New Day starting and how I was reconciled from a... Uh, from a broken family relationship with my brother for 50 years. Didn't have a relationship, just blood relative, but he didn't have an intimate, normal relationship. And how God orchestrated for us to come together, really based out of, uh, out of 2 Corinthians 5, about what real reconciliation is and what it looks like and what Jesus did, that Jesus came to the earth to reconcile the people of the earth and and the earth back to himself and what reconciled means. 
to be uh, to be brought back into who God is in a right way. So if you weren't here, I encourage you to get online and teach that and um, and be ready. <laughs> So I didn't warn anybody last week, and I got a wonderful email from a dear friend that said, well, you did surgery and didn't give us anesthesia, (laughs) which I thought was just wonderful. Just the way she put it was incredible, although she did give me a grumpy look this morning. No, she did not at all. I'm teasing her because she's a dear friend. I only tease people I love, so if you ever get teased by me here, why, it means that I love you. So, but there has been response about that because of this. Forgiveness, which is tied to the very work of grace and the act of the cross in God, is also one of the most difficult things for us to do. And I'm fully aware of that. Um, My own journey into being able to be a person who I think I've grown in God enough now, so this is bragging on the Lord, not me. I have learned through receiving God's forgiveness how to practice forgiveness towards others. So this is what I want to do before we even start. I'm going to challenge you to forgive something from the past right now. I want you to think on a church leader or a church or somebody who is a spiritual mentor or something in the, your life where you got hurt. Think right now. Not if there's 20 of them, pick one. Yeah, only one this morning. Just want you to do one because I want to practice something. I want to practice just forgiveness. Forgiveness is practiced by re-releasing it out of your heart. So take a minute and think. Don't think about what happened. Think on the occurrence, what, what, by the occurrence, I mean the person that did it. Somebody who offended you, hurt you, shamed you, diminished you, rejected you, whatever it was. Y'all there? Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, you came into the world to reconcile the world unto yourself. Lord, that means there's great power in forgiveness. And and church is a place where we all got hurt. So right now, I give this person to you who hurt me. And I send the offense into your cross that you paid the penalty for that offense. I don't demand justice. I don't demand things that they be held accountable or taken into account, I put them right in you. And I say, you reconciled all things. So I release it out of my life right now this morning in the name of Jesus. And I bless that person that you would find them this day and they would find you exactly how you want it to occur. And I let loose of it and forgive in the name of Jesus. Amen. Now, didn't that feel good? Sometimes it doesn't feel like anything. I don't even know if I believe the words that I said. Yeah, it's all part of it. 
But there's great healing in forgiveness. There's great power in it. We're going to look at it this morning. You better not have changed my settings or I will have to forgive you. Make sure it's not on, it's just the slideshow. There we go. This morning we're going to talk about the grace, which is actually gift. The grace of forgiveness, the gift of forgiveness. How is grace a gift? Grace is the gift of God. The very word translated means grace. Looking at it, see, I think all of us have said in our minds that if I'm going to be reconciled to someone, I need a mediator, and I sort of need a judge and a panel, and I need to make sure that they know all the facts, and that the other side sort of gets to give their part of it, And then this wonderful judge is going to come down and say, Lloyd, you were completely right in this. Justified. That's not the work of reconciliation. Actually, reconciliation is a gift given by God where things aren't imputed, but things are removed. Removed. The work of the cross didn't cover sins. The work of the cross in Christ did what? Remove them. We're we're no longer under an old system where every year you go back through and make sure it's covered. Make sure it's covered. Make sure it's... No, it's removed. It's gone. The Lamb of God was different than the lambs of earth. The Lamb of God did it completely, died once for all. So it's, it's an incredible concept when you start wrestling with it and you, inside of you go, what? How? No, it's God. That, that's the mystery of it. The mystery of God is who he is. But it's not a mystery you can't find out. It's a mystery you're invited into. How many of you like mystery stories? They're really intriguing. I don't like the ones that I figured out in the first page. It's like boring. <laughs> Oh, but a mystery. A mystery that draws you in. You know, a a mystery that you got, you you know, even TV programs, you watch the episode and you go, what? Huh? Where are they taking this? And you're trying to figure out what the right, those draws in. See, God loves a mystery and he's mysterious. Spirituality is mysterious. Forgiveness is mysterious. It's a work of the Spirit. If it's not a work of the Spirit, I'm going to say a bold statement here. It's not true forgiveness. If you got it figured out, it's probably not completely forgiven. Because part of it is, I don't know, it just doesn't bother me anymore and I can't figure out why. It's part of that mystery of God's. So I want to look at a story because it's also part of a healing Maybe we will. Could I shut this off? This is new for me. Okay, Jim, go back up there. This is your penalty. (laughs) You're you're sure this isn't running through? (laughs) 
Phaser set two. Are you there on the? There must be something on the computer. Okay, I'm going to read it to you then. Listen to this story from Mark. This is from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 2. It's very early on. So remember, this is early on in the stuff that Mark is remembering to write down and talk about. Speaking of Jesus, it says, Again, he entered Capernaum after some days, and it was heard that he was in the house. Tell us whose house. And immediately many gathered together so that there was no longer room to receive them, not even near the door. And he preached the word to them. He loved to hear the things that Jesus preached. He preached the word to them. Don't you love the mystery of wanting to know what that word was? Then they came to him bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. When they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof. They literally, they tore the roof off where he was. So when they had broken through, they let down the bed on which the paralytic was lying. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven you. And some of the scribes were sitting there and reasoning in their hearts, Why does this man speak blasphemies like this? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they reasoned thus within themselves, he said to them, why do you reason about these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven you, or to say, arise and take up your bed and walk? But that you may know the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, arise, take up your bed and go to your house. Immediately he arose and took up the bed and went out in the presence of them all. So that they all were amazed and glorified God saying, we never saw anything like this. What is tied to forgiveness? What do we get from this story? What's tied to it? Healing. The man was healed. So in the mystery of understanding this, you see when there's unforgiveness in our hearts, we need healing. It's tied to healing. I've watched this through the years. Some of you have got to walk through with it together, both my healing and yours. It's strange that healing and forgiveness are knit together, and yet it has to do with the authority of Jesus. And it's interesting that it says this, only God alone can forgive sins. They're right. So who was he? He was God. So if you forgive, is it really forgiven? Why? Come on, connect it. I'm going to make you think this morning. Connect it. Because I have Christ in me, and he can forgive. Not only he can, but he has 
See, salvation isn't about con- conv- convincing people that, you know, that isn't like, uh, well, if you, if you receive it, then God will do it in your life. No, God's done it. Receive it. Salvation is us receiving the forgiveness that he has already accomplished. It's not something that happens over and over and over again. Jesus came and he did it. It was done 2,000 years ago. It intersected time and it's an accomplished fact. What happens when somebody receives it is it's put into effect in their life. And forgiveness and healing are knit together in our own lives. I'm not saying unforgiveness makes you sick. Don't go there. Don't, don't jump. Don't, don't start doing equation Christianity on me again. It's not an equation, but it is this. It's a mystery that God, in what he has done, would give us a ministry that's designed around what he did not only to help others, but to heal our own lives. Isn't that stunning? And he would choose. I got to say with these guys, I've never seen anything like it. I, I've never seen... I mean, you look at recorded history, the wars that have occurred because of unforgiveness. They did that to us, so we're going to do 20 things to them. The things that humans have done to each other because of unforgiveness is stunning. The bitterness that's arisen between people groups. The insecurity, the fear, the the pain, the illness that comes. The devastation that comes is stunning. Never seen anything like this. Well, here's what God wants to invite us into, all of us, each of us, again and again and again, seeing his grace. It's more than just a ministry. It is this. I like this sentence, so I want you to hear it. Reconciliation to God is more than just a ministry. It is the grace of a believer's life and the life of a believer's grace. The very, the very act and the power and the nature of forgiveness is something we own as our identity as followers, believers in Jesus Christ. It is maybe our most precious spiritual commodity. It is a, it is a gift. It, it is this thing that God, who alone can forgive, gives to us so that we can be godly and act godly. You know, and I, you can talk in platitudes, you know, and, and to err is human and to forgive is divine. I, I understand those things that you, you've heard them so, so many times through the years, you just become numb in your hearing to it. And yet, forgiveness is the most powerful thing that we have in our commodity, in our package, in who we are, in our hearts. In our very hearts, forgiveness is at the core of what we believe. If you will, Christianity is all about forgiveness. It's all about it. 
in our lives, on a, not, not just like the big ones, but the daily basis, like when you can't get along with the person you're already in relationship with. Have you ever had those days where nothing syncs up? You know, and you attribute it, like you say stuff like Mercury's in retrograde. You try to find a reason, you know, it's like, you know, because it's, it's just like you communicate and all your words come out in a tone and in a manner and even in a s- s- syntax structure that you're going, no. Or you hear them that way. Have you ever had your spouse say you're hearing that wrong? That's not what I said. And you're going, Yes, it is. Let's fight. (laughs) The heck are you talking about? You just hurt my feelings. What do you mean you didn't say it that way? I received it that way, so you said it that way. You're the one that's wrong, not me. And yet when you walk away, see, when you start living in the mystery of forgiveness, you go, what am I doing? What am I hanging on to? So what? It's nothing. Or you can let it stay there and linger, and then it goes on to the next person that you talk to, and the next person, and the next person. And then you go home that night, and you go, geez, I had a rugged day. It's like, what? But if it would have started in that very gift, that very grace, that very understanding of the believer's life, I was designed to walk in this. I found this when I learned to forgive I also learned not to take offense so easily. How easily are you offended? (laughs) Did I just offend you? I always misunderstood this verse. And how it applies here. Let's reread it. This is from Hebrew 12. And I always had to look at it as it's the chapter where God disciplines us. And I had my own framework of what discipline was, which it was mostly based around punishment, to be honest with you. And like, it was equations. If you do this and this and this, be sure you're going to get this and this and this. It was totally discounted that I walk in grace and favor and that God's instruction to me is this discipline. God's in kindness to me actually leads me to repentance. It's a gift of where he instructs my heart and he, he doesn't have to have all the tires on my car blow out to get me to pay attention to him. I don't know where you were at. <laughs> Hebrews twelve twelve. Therefore strengthen the hands which hang down, the feeble knees. By the way, that's called sick. You need healing. When, you're, when you don't feel good, is this you when you don't feel good? It's me. I look bedraggled. And make straight paths for your feet so that which is lame may not be dislocated but rather be healed. Pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God. What does that mean to you? To look carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God. I, I always attributed it to behavior 
make sure you're doing it right. Don't fall short of grace. Grace is there to get you to do it right. Is that what that means? Or is it talking about living in the power, the grace to release things, to have healing, to have unmerited favor in our lives? Don't fall short of it. When, you, when forgiveness isn't in your life, you end up walking lame. Your, your, your hands fall down. You don't feel like worshiping anymore. Isn't it amazing what unforgiveness does? The very work of it? Lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and by this many become defiled. Have you ever noticed that just one of your kids in the house can defile the whole house in a moment like that when they're mad and won't forgive? Maybe you didn't raise kids. Maybe they're not teenagers yet. (laughs) Hang on, baby, it's coming. You will get to experience life. And it's amazing. You love your kids so much, but just one of them being mad at the other one changes the entire atmosphere or the event. They're so good at home, and then you go to that special event. And then Billy Ray Bob says to his sister, and the whole thing falls apart, and your great plans to have a great weekend are just now ruined because that bitterness springs up And for some reason, it steals the whole joy of the whole event. I'm using lighthearted things to look at it, but we all know this. This can get really ugly really fast. Come on, think. Think through the past. Let's go to the next slide. Maybe not. Here's what I believe. This isn't a mandate from God. I always used to see forgiveness that way. I have to do it. It's a gift from God. It's a gift of kindness. It's a seed of life and a wholeness so we're not lame anymore. We don't walk through life lame. So our hands don't hang down. We're not dislocated. We're in Christ. This is what I found. There is a, and I, I believe I put it this way, there is a divine link in these words. Grace, which in the Greek, charis, also means gift. It also means kindness. And it is also translated forgiveness. The same word where we get our charismatic, the church that moves in the gift, is that same word which is translated grace. And that word means kindness. Grace is God's kindness to you. And kindness is translated over and over again. If you will look at the words that are translated Forgive, it comes from the root word charis, or gift, or grace. And it's all linked together. And it's all about healing us as people. Titus 3 says, Paul writes to Titus, he says, Hey, remind them to be subject to rulers and authorities, to obey, to be ready for every good work. 
Don't talk evil about someone. To be peaceable, gentle, showing all humility to all men. For we ourselves were once foolish. We were once also foolish. Also disobedient, deceived, serving various lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. Look at verse 4. But when the kindness and the love of God our Savior towards man appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us through the washing and regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. When the kindness of God appeared, I can forgive. Because I'm forgiven. You believing you're forgiven and your ability to forgive are linked in the grace of God. In the understanding of that word. I would say this. Not not in throwing things at you. If you struggle with unforgiveness towards others, it's you don't fully realize your own forgiveness from God. And you need to come back to the home of grace And let his forgiveness wash over you again and again and again. It's really interesting that there is no place in the New Testament where it talks about a person forgiving themselves. And yet that is one of the biggest issues over forgiveness that I find when I meet with people. Their inability to forgive themselves. They'll even say, oh, I believe God forgives me. I just can't get over the fact of what I did. That's what I have to say that, get over it. What do you mean you can't get over it? Go back to the when the kindness of God appeared. You didn't deserve it. Even if you begged for forgiveness, you still didn't deserve it. I don't deserve forgiveness. I deserve little crispy critter fried. To have a tendency in our approach to Christianity to, to do it from the state of the victim. I had all this stuff done to me, but you know... Christianity isn't just about that. Christianity is about forgiveness also for what we did. The things that we did. And that when you receive forgiveness, you just let that come into your life. You know, and I, I, I couldn't do it well this morning, but listen, you need to go to that Disney movie and let it go. <laughs> Quit hanging on to it. Let it go. Because it'll produce bitterness. And the, the ability to, to do this. The rest of the verse says, Whom he poured out on us, how? Abundantly. <laughs> that having been what? Well, let's, I skipped it again. This is really hard for me to do. This is new doing the slide set. Whom he poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, that having been justified by his great forgiveness, same word, kindness, we should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. In Colossians 3.13, he said, Paul instructs it this way. By the way, there's no forgive 70 times 7. There's no you must forgive or you won't be forgiven. You won't get into heaven. That's not taught in the epistles. Over and over again, this is the admonition. Forgive as Christ has forgiven you. How did he forgive you? 
abundantly, completely, in kindness, not imputing. Look at 2 Corinthians 5. Not marking it down, but releasing it and say, it's paid for. That's how Christ forgave. See, we remind him of our sins. You know, he won't deal with you that way. We've been taught something really strange about sin and about forgiveness. They've been cast away. We go and remind God of our sins. He's not going to remind you of it. He's going to remind you that he forgave it. Oh, I washed that. (laughs) You know, I died for that. Stunning. Have we ever seen anything like this? Maybe we're not seeing it. Well, God, let me tell you what I did last week. Uh, I forgave it. Should we never confess? Yes, confess. It's good for your heart to remind you that when the kindness of God appeared, I was forgiven. So to forgive as the Lord forgave you in, in, in both of these verses, the one we just read, the long one, and this one, and again in Ephesians, Paul uses the word charizomai. The root word is charis, meaning grace. So the context is this. To forgive is to willingly extend kindness and favor to another person, not whether they deserve it or not. And it's hard to do. Really hard to do. I want somebody to tell you a story about it and how it happened. So many of you have stories about this, but I want you to hear one that I'm familiar with. So, Brenda. I grew up in a household, uh, and my dad was a very violent, sadistic man. And he was also very religious, so it was a bad combination. Uh, there was a lot of violence, a lot of beating. My mom got hit. We got creamed as kids. And by the time I was 12, I had a raging case of hate. I hated my dad, hated him. I hated my household. I just was full of, Ugh! I couldn't wait to leave. And when I was 17, I ran away in the middle of a beating because I thought he was going to kill me. I thought he said that. And uh, I ran away. And that was in my senior year of high school. And I lived away for months. And in the course of time, when I was in high school, I gave my life back to Jesus. It was a, It was... A series of events, but I gave my life, I I should say, I submitted to the Lord because I got saved when I was five. But hate really does hamper (laughs) your uh, relationship with the Lord. (laughs) Puts a real kink in it. And so after, after I left home permanently, the Lord started convicting me about hating my dad and... I wrote him a letter of reconciliation and said, even if, even if you did these things to me, my rebellion toward you was wrong. 
you know, I owned it. I owned my rebellion. It was a heartfelt, I felt like I was putting it all out there for him. I never got a response. I wrote another letter, never got a response. And shortly after that, we moved to Arizona. Uh, I got married, we moved to Arizona. And I spent the next several decades repeatedly forgiving my dad. And I say repeatedly because he kept hurting me. If you, if you have someone in your life who keeps hurting you, you have to keep forgiving them, and it's not easy. And I never, you know, my, my mom used to say to me, if you would just love your dad, if you just love your dad. And I thought, how are you doing at that? You know, I, I just couldn't, it's like, mm. I forgive him, and I kept acknowledging that, acknowledging it inside of me. I knew I was doing the right thing, but the pain kept coming. And 20 years ago, my dad got cancer and was dying. And one time, right, right before he went to the hospital, he got paralyzed. You know, he had, he had prostate cancer and it had gone into his bones. And so my mom had called me and said, you need to come over. I need to know what to do about your dad because his body wasn't functioning and he was becoming paralyzed. So we went over there, Lloyd and I, and I knew that my dad had talked to my brothers about asking them to forgive him, but he had never mentioned it to me. And of course, I wanted that. I felt like I needed my dad to ask forgiveness so I could forgive him. Even though I had said I, I had prayed about it 10,000 times. You know, and it wasn't just forgiving him for my sake. It was forgiving him for the damage he had wrecked. He had wrecked our family. He had damaged my mother so badly she's an invalid now. He had destroyed our family. So I not only needed to forgive him for what he'd done to me, I needed to forgive him for what he'd done to everyone in our family. So I came in, and Dad was on the bed, and he was, he was very ill. And I'm sitting next to him on the bed, and he turns toward me, and he goes, Have I ever offended you? I mean, he said, well, whether it was my fault or your fault, you know, you need to forgive me, or I want you to forgive me. And I just started crying. It was like, have you ever offended me? I mean, it was, it was ludicrous, and it was not what I wanted. It was like bass awkward. If, if whether it was your fault or my fault, seriously, that's an apology. And I just started crying. And he looked at me and he said, I didn't mean to make you cry. Which to me made me cry harder because it was like, this is the story of my entire life. You made me cry. Whoa. So... I got up and left. I said to mom, call the ambulance. He needs to go to the hospital. So he goes to the hospital. He's in the hospital a couple of weeks. And 
was afraid to be alone with my dad. He was unpredictable, and he was, you know, it's loathsome. It's like walking into Shelob's lair, if you know who I'm talking about, Lord of the Rings fans. It's frightening, and my whole life, you know, it had shaped me so much. I, I be, my brothers, it beat down. Me, I pressed into it and became hard, and I felt like, you, you know, I'm going to stand my ground, and you're not going to push me over. Of course, that shapes you. You can't selectively shut off your emotions. You kind of shut them all off. So I avoided my dad. Well, my mom had gone down to the hospital to see dad. My grandma had taken her down there, and she had told me I needed to come pick her up. Well, when I got there, she was gone. My grandma had came and picked her up, and she didn't tell me. So I'm in the hospital room with my dad, which was uncomfortable, and we're making small talk, and I mean, he hauls off and viciously just rips me a new one, assaults my character, and I was just like dumbfounded. It was like out of the blue, and I just said, I got to go. So I left, I went down to the parking lot, and I started crying. And I said, Lord, I've tried to forgive him over and over and over, and I don't want to lose this battle of actually forgiving him from my heart. This hurts really bad, and I keep finding that as I get hurt again, I have to forgive again, and none of it, none of it is happening inside of me. There's something that I need you to do so I win this battle and I deeply, actually forgive him. And I just prayed. I left it there and went home. And so um, about a week or so later, I wake up one morning and I had a deep sense of my dad's precarious position before God because of the things he'd done in his life. And... All of a sudden, the weight of a man going to hell, you know, my theology was a little different than I'll give you that. My theology has changed. Now I probably wouldn't be afraid of that, but at that point in time, God used it. And all of a sudden, something came over me, and I suddenly understood him standing before God with all of this crime (laughs) against his child, his family, his children, his relatives, people at work, all of this. And he is blind. He couldn't see it. So I started, it came on me. I started praying earnestly for my dad to be forgiven. And I said, you said in your word that if we retain the sins of any, they're retained. And if we forgive the sins of any, they're forgiven. And I want my dad to be able to stand before you absolutely spotless, like he had never done anything wrong, like a baby, pure as the driven snow, coming before you. I want you to forgive him deeply. Forgive him. Let him come in free and clean before you. And right at that moment, the Lord spoke to me and he said, now you're doing what I do. 
And then the phone rang. And it was my mom, and she said, your dad's too weak to come to, to talk on the phone, but he asked me to call you and ask your forgiveness. It let me out of prison, but I had to forgive. God was teaching me such a valuable lesson. I'd had to, I needed to do the work that Jesus had done for me. I needed to forgive him first without any need for him to ask for it. While we were yet sinners, Jesus died for us. He forgave us before we asked for it. And because of that, because of that grace he extended to us, we were able to get the grace to come to him. I mean, it, was, it profoundly blew my socks off. I had let him out of jail, <laughs> and God let me out of jail immediately following. Dad died shortly thereafter, but I know the Lord had deeply done a work in his life. Right before he died, he pulled Lloyd down to him closely, and he said, love your family. There were some of us who couldn't, and I knew that God had helped him understand what had happened so anyway, it profoundly changed my life to understand that you don't have to have the mass for forgiveness to give it. But if you do give it deeply and from the heart, God will do something on your behalf in them because they're as valuable to him as you are. I'm sure you've sat through many messages on forgiveness through the years. Because it really is what we're about, isn't it? Most of the ones that I sat through told people that they had to do it. That there was a demand. I'm not going to do that with you. I want to invite you to give a gift away today. To give the gift of forgiveness to somebody else so that you recognize it's at work in your life. Isn't that the very idea of Christmas? It's a gift. It's just given away. You just get to operate in it. It's just the most incredible thing. And as you do your weak hands that hang down start coming up in adoration and praise because the kindness of God has come and is it work the feeble knees speaks of our prayer life our prayers change when we forgive and give a gift away how we pray for others how we pray for ourselves it all changes in a moment of time the lameness in our walk Suddenly we have a new spring in our step. There's something that happens inside of a human life. I've watched Brenda begin even from that time. I've got the privilege of watching her grow in Christ and 
grow in her understanding. But I watched her from that moment in time begin to change her whole view of what forgiveness could do. It changed her life. It changed our relationship. If I can say this, I watched somebody that walked with a limp get a spring in her step again. Changed everything about her. Moment of time, just forgiving, not holding, send it away. And in Ephesians, where it says to send it away, it means it's such an instruction. It says immediately, do it now. In a moment of time, you can give that gift away. So I don't demand it of you. I invite you into God's forgiveness when the kindness of God appeared. Oh, when the kindness of God appeared. 2 Corinthians 5, he says, He didn't come into the world imputing their sins, but laying down his life and inviting them in. Wow, what a gift. pray for all of us. Will you join me? Why don't you stand? There's something about standing that says, yup, me, count me in. I'm going to pray a mystery that right now in your life that the kindness of God would appear again. That the forgiveness of God would appear in your life. Whatever in Whatever it is, maybe it's again you're holding something against yourself. That refusal to let it go. I have a word for that. Jesus. Savior. Healer. Magnificent God. Wonderful brother. Blessed, kind, loving Father. Forgiveness. Thank you, God. Let forgiveness flow in hearts. Let the ministry of reconciliation take root now in your heart. Let it spread to family members, distant relatives, close relatives. Parents, grandparents, children, aunts, uncles, cousins, friends, acquaintances, leaders, bosses. That it would take root and begin to change who we are as a people. the sins of any that in this place in this house those things are not retained but released in Christ in the name of Jesus in your life in your heart in your mouth in your eyes have you ever seen anything like this